Welcome to another East Career Podcast brought to you by the East Career Development Committee. My name is Rob Bame from the Guthrie Clinic in Sarah, Pennsylvania. If you are a fellow about to start the job search, this might be a very helpful podcast for you. Today in this session, we are very pleased to have Dr. Thomas Cogbill with us to talk about rural trauma and acute care surgery. Dr. Cogbill attained his undergraduate degree from Dartmouth College. He attended medical school at the University of Colorado School of Medicine, where he stayed to complete his residency. Upon completion of his surgical training, he took a position as a general and vascular surgeon at the Gunnarsson Lutheran Medical Center in La Crosse, Wisconsin, where he rose to become the director of the surgical residency program, trauma medical director, chairman of surgery, president of the medical staff, and vice president of the medical center. He served as the president of the Wisconsin Surgical Association, chairman of the American College of Surgeons Wisconsin Committee on Trauma, and the Wisconsin State Medical Society. He has also been very active nationally, including significant leadership roles in the American Board of Surgery, Western Trauma Association, East, Western Surgical Association, and the Association of Program Directors, in addition to serving on the editorial boards for several medical journals. He has over 200 publications, and during all this, he still finds time to both run and ski marathons, along with doing Ironman triathlons. So good afternoon, Dr. Cobdell, and just thank you so much for taking your time to joining us today. You bet. It's, uh, I'm glad to be uh, asked and an honor to do this. So I was going to start out by just uh, talking about the beginning, I guess. When you were training, and really early in your career, trauma was kind of poorly defined, and you clearly helped define it as a subspecialty. So I'd love to hear, first off, what attracted you to trauma and how you found yourself in this field coming out of training. So first of all, no no thoughts coming out of medical school that I'd even go into surgery. I really was thinking of a career in family medicine until my first um, surgery rotation, which was at the Denver General Hospital. And that was the genesis for my interest in both surgery um, and in trauma. Um, very exciting times down there, um, always uh, something new to see. And what I loved about trauma surgery was that it took you every place basically in the body, um, you know, taking care of uh, wounds to the thorax, to the abdomen, to the extremities, vascular system, et cetera. So um, really got interested um, in that. Um, so that was third year of medical school and um, at the University of Colorado, and then um, five years of residency at the University of Colorado, a lot of rotations down at the Denver General, and uh, working side-by-side um, side with Gene Moore uh, made it very easy to get uh, interested in both the clinical aspects of trauma and also in doing uh, some research, which uh, may have helped define uh, a few small areas in trauma. So you were coming out of training planning on being a trauma surgeon then? or trauma-slash-general surgeon? Um, I knew it had to be part of my life, um, and I, I did not know how much of my life it was going to be, um, but clearly wanted to make sure that I was in a position um, that I could uh, both do clinical uh, trauma surgery 
and also um, do some teaching and some clinical research. Okay. And then uh, that kind of, when you came out of practice, you chose to go to Gunnarsson Lutheran in La Crosse. And can you kind of describe that practice location and the setting and why you chose that more rural environment coming out of training? You bet. So um, Gunnarsson um, now health system, it's uh, gone through a number of name changes just like every other place in the country. But um, it's in a town of 52,000, so a small city on the Mississippi River with a large referral area, 19 agricultural counties of uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa. Um, in this town, um, the Gunderson Clinic was a large multi-specialty clinic. I was doctor number 145 in 1982, and I joined a department of five general surgeons who had not done any real subspecialization at that time. Um, so that sort of describes the setting. They, at that point, also had a residency, ACGME approved, for one position, so one chief position per year. Uh, small residency. Um, and then as to why I went there, um, it's a really good question. Um, my wife and I are from New England. We have no reason to be in Wisconsin, but I had a friend who was practicing uh, pediatrics there who uh, said, come and, and interview, and I did. And um, I was very impressed uh, with the quality of the partners that I would practice with. And I just loved the type of medicine that was uh, practiced at Gunderson, where it was very collaborative between departments. Um, it wasn't the uh, surgeons against the internists. It wasn't the um, surgeons, uh, you know, against the anesthesiologists. It was all people who really uh, enjoyed working together. And so, honestly, that's the reason. <laughs> that's a great reason. I think sometimes, I guess, that, I mean, this is my opinion, we look for jobs that have a lot of things that don't revolve around that, right? They have various opportunities for research or growth or um, even clinical exposure to things, but, and you've been in your whole career, so clearly having people around you that you care about and care about you, that's a big deal, obviously. It is a big deal, and these, these were um, partners who treated each, treated each other right, and more importantly, treated patients and their families right, and um, I from day one, enjoyed being a part of that institution and think it's maybe a rare event. I mean, it's the only place I've ever practiced um, since residency. And then finally, I would be um, remiss if I didn't mention the fact that I had a young family at that point and my wife and I thought it would be a wonderful part of the country to raise our family. Right. So when you got there, it sounds like there wasn't a trauma program. You You built it from the ground up? So that's what's, I think, really interesting about um, this sort of unusual career in trauma. Um, so I did go to a place that um, certainly the surgeons that practiced there um, were very capable of uh, performing the operations necessary for trauma surgery. But there was very little organization of um, any of the emergency medical services, including trauma, in the um, city of La Crosse or in the outlying area. So there was a tremendous opportunity um, to build a system. And um, I uh, got to an institution where there were many people who were interested in building a system, but it just hadn't been done yet, and they sort of needed a catalyst. 
and I think that's what I was, was um, a catalyst who uh, had some ideas, and then I had wonderful people around me who could help me achieve um, those ideas. All right. So I'm sure it's different, gosh, even now than when you first started, but what were some of the unique challenges and you faced when you were entering both a world practice and kind of an underdeveloped trauma program? So, um, I mean, I think you can start uh, right out uh, at the pre-hospital care system. So even in the city of Cross, uh, basic EMTs uh, were the um, majority. And then we had, there were a couple of intermediate uh, EMTs, but no paramedic services in the city and county of La Crosse, Wisconsin in 1982. And there were no paramedic services in any of the 19 counties that we served. So um, looking at a uh, trauma program and a trauma service, you certainly wanted to get that upgraded. And, and honestly, I didn't even want to live in a city that didn't have paramedic level EMS. And so uh, working with a number of people in emergency uh, medicine, um, a lot of people in nursing and with the existing EMT service we had in town, we developed a paramedic training program in La Crosse, and uh, within uh, two years we were up and running with paramedics uh, on our rigs uh, in the city and county of La Crosse. And then we've exported that to a number of the more rural areas to help upgrade um, their EMS services, not always to a paramedic level, but um, uh, teaching them um, about trauma, trauma management, um, and management of other um, emergencies. And then finally, um, the other thing that we started right away in 1982 was an education program for our residents and our staff uh, to become ATLS certified. Um, so we began our own ATLS course uh, in La Crosse, and that also extended out into our 19-county region to help our referring physicians um, achieve some skills in the resuscitation of trauma patients. And uh, so that those are a few of the early moves that we made. So, again, thinking, thinking from a person who was coming out of training, maybe going into a rural place, um, so I, I guess, you know, I've been in these meetings before at the Cogbill, like uh, um, medical director meetings of trauma centers. I've met some people who are from pretty small places we're trying to start trauma centers, and in my mind, I think that trauma has evolved kind of a long ways now where everyone's kind of a pretty powerful trauma center, and that's definitely not true. There's a lot of rural places that are still in their infancy, and they have a lot of things to work through. And so um, I wonder, it sounds like if you're going to be going to a place like that, you really got to seek out what the need is, and that really identifies the workload that you can go down and try to make some improvements on. That sounds like what you did. No, I think that's absolutely true, and You've got to understand also, and, and I know you are aware of this, uh, practicing um, uh, at, uh, in Sarah, Pennsylvania, at uh, Guthrie, is that you've got some sophisticated um, medical centers in rural areas. And um, a number of them are very well organized already and part of statewide trauma systems, and, and they're, um, so their, their trauma um, program is already pretty mature. But there are a number of opportunities still. Um, to uh, make them even better or uh, a number of them that aren't mature that uh, need some help. Do you think just offhand things that someone could think about when they're if they're going to a rural trauma center 
areas that might uh, they could maybe think about focusing on, or is that, is that too uh, individualistic of a question, depending on the trauma center? I think it does depend on the trauma center. It also depends on the state that that trauma center is in, insofar as what kind of interactions they have with the statewide trauma system. And of course, Wisconsin in 1982 had no statewide trauma system, and um, that was true for another um, 17 years. Uh, there was still no statewide trauma system um, in the state of Wisconsin. So we, um, the different trauma centers of which Gunderson became one, um, we uh, developed our own program within our own region of the state and provided, uh, I think, uh, very uh, high-level, sophisticated trauma services for our service area. But we weren't integrated uh, with the other programs in the state, and there was no legislation um, which uh, helped to direct patients to the trauma centers. So uh, one of the things that uh, a person needs to do when they uh, get to a place is to find out exactly how their trauma program interacts um, uh, with the uh, other programs in the state. Okay, yeah, that's great advice, right. How about, uh, gosh, you came from a kind of a big academic center and then came to Gunderson. Um, did you notice, were you concerned about things like the, the clinical experience, the complexity of patients, maybe research opportunities or support as you went from a large academic center down to a more rural center? So I had no idea what would happen um, as far as doing any kind of research goes. Um, I knew we had a small teaching program and that um, residents would need education in um, trauma as one aspect of general surgery, and that was certainly true. And we had excellent residents. These, these were not um, residents who could not get into other programs. These were residents um, uh, who went through a, a highly competitive process and were accepted to our small program. And they just soaked it up, honestly soaked up um, the stuff that we could teach them about uh, trauma and critical care. Research was a little bit more of a uh, challenge. So um, you, you don't have nearly the volume of interesting, um, you know, big-time trauma cases, gunshot wounds, shotgun blasts, and whatnot. Um, but you did have um, a steady stream of blunt trauma. And so I think that somebody going into an environment like that you have to sort of look at what volume you do have and what unique aspects you do have that you could study. Um, and there were some advantages to being uh, in this system. First of all, there had never been any research done in trauma at the Gunnison Clinic uh, before um, my arrival in 1982. So um, it was wide open possibilities in terms of uh, things that could be discussed from uh, our, our standpoint and our experience. Second thing is we had a um, computerized um, electronic health record um, back in the 80s. And so we had unbelievable um, access to really accurate records. It made doing clinical research um, actually easier than um, some of the projects that I was involved in at the Denver General Hospital. And then finally, um, we had follow-up uh, of patients that was second to none. Patients were born in our area, they went to high school in our area, they worked in our area, and they died in our area. And so um, one of the first papers we did was a long-term follow-up on patients that had crushed chest injuries. 
and we could get these people back for uh, pulmonary testing um, and uh, chest x-rays um, and an examination and get follow-up years after their injuries to see what kind of disabilities um, they still had. So there were some unique parts of our practice that made it um, actually good for doing uh, research. And then finally, um, I think it's really important to uh, be involved in um, regional and national societies, and many of them have multi-center or multi-institutional research projects that are going on that um, folks from any type of trauma center can contribute. And, and I would really encourage um, young trauma surgeons going out, especially if they're going out to a place that's not uh, connected academically to uh, get involved in those multi-center projects. Yeah, because you have clearly been incredibly successful on the national level, coming from a pretty rural place. And uh, that success sounds like it's coming from um, involvement in multi-center trials and connections with other people. Is that what you're saying? It is what I'm saying. And and I think that uh, I do think that the newest generation of surgeons um, does a fantastic job of networking electronically, but I think that um, the personal networking at uh, meetings really helps to get people involved in some of these multi-center projects, and not just as a contributor, but um, even as a first or second author um, on some important project. So, yeah, I think that uh, getting involved, staying involved, is very important. It almost seems like uh, getting involved even from a small rural center, is probably easier now than it was when you were doing it because of all these, all the social media and other ways you can uh, stay connected. <laughs> so it sounds like there's no reason why a person right. can't, yeah, so there's no reason a person can't go to a rural center and still be heavily involved on the national level. I agree. I, th I'm, I am an idiot on social media, but um, <laughs> young surgeons are not. And so I do think it's a, I do think they connect extremely well that way, and they should you know, begin the connections and, and make uh, make friends and contacts across the country, and uh, then you can you know even if you only have five uh, thoracic aortic injuries uh, in a 10-year period in your institution, um, you are a valuable contributor to a multi-center trial that's looking at some uh, some improvement in management of. Uh, of Yeah, another thing that trauma surgeons have kind of taken over has really been this role of the acute care surgeon also. Now, when you were, you know, starting out, that was, you know, given you did acute care surgery, vascular surgery, but uh, in, like, an area like La Crosse, you know, a more rural area, did this help define you, like, giving you a niche in, in a certain area of surgery, and how important was that for you in your career? Um, Rob, that's a good question, and excellent question, actually, and I think that um, first of all, trauma surgery and my ability to do some complicated um, um, repairs um, gave me credibility extremely early um, when I got to the Gunderson Clinic. Um, when I got there, we took general surgery call. Um, we took uh, pediatric surgery call, vascular surgery call, um, and uh, we took care of uh, all the trauma, and we took care of the critical care on our own patients. So, we were true general surgeons. Um, my niche was in trauma and critical care, but because 
um, most of our trauma was blunt and very little penetrating. That meant not a lot of operative trauma cases. So in this environment, it's extremely important to get a niche in something else where you have a volume of elective surgery that you would be doing. And so I've been in practice here for 37 years um, at uh, Ed Gunderson. My first decade was broad-based general surgery. Uh, my second decade, uh, it morphed into a lot more um, elective vascular surgery, and that was just because of the need in our department. And our department was increasing in size, and we saw um, that it was going to be important to subspecialize to differentiate ourselves from our competitors. And so each of us uh, established areas that we were most comfortable in, um, sometimes with a, uh, a fellowship and um, sometimes not. And, of course, those were in the early days of fellowship, so you could do that. Um, so that was my second decade. Um, and then my third decade uh, was almost all elective vascular surgery, except I continued to take um, acute care surgery Call, meaning um, emergency general surgery, uh, trauma, and uh, critical care. And then finally, the last um, oh, seven years of my practice, we've now um, recruited four trauma, critical care, acute care surgeons, and they have their own division within our department. So there's been um, a differentiation over this 37-year time period. So not only niche was important for you to grow as a surgeon, but also for you to show people that you can be a safe surgeon. And actually, it sounds like it grew your department, too. So a niche sounds like a really important thing for a person going into a rural setting. Uh, it's really important. And if you go through a surgery residency, uh, whether it's five or seven years, at the end of it, you want to end up with a job where you're actually doing surgery and you're doing a, a fair volume of surgery. And... Um, my annual volumes were always in the 300 to 400 case range, and a, and a lot of them were big vascular cases. So um, it allowed me to be busy. Um, it allowed me to um, show off, you know, what talent I either did or didn't have. Um, and uh, it allowed us as an institution to build volume in subspecialty areas, which then made the department grow. I have a, gosh, kind of a, maybe a strange question for you. I'd love to hear what you think. It's a, kind of a, what's the future going to be like question. And I think people coming out of training who are considering going to rural locations are probably thinking about this. Now, I've started to notice the larger healthcare systems are branching out and starting to absorb the smaller and medium-sized hospitals because, gosh, the cost of running a hospital is increasing in these smaller places. They seem they can't remain independent. And, I'm wondering if this medium-sized hospital where probably academically trained trauma surgeons would like to go if they want to go to a rural center, will they be kind of absorbed by these larger systems? And if that's the case, how do you think that's going to impact that rural trauma surgeon? And things I'm thinking about are like complexity of cases or ICU patients. Will the real hard stuff maybe be shipped to the big centers and these well-trained, academically trained surgeons that want to live in a rural center, is it a reasonable fear that they might not be exposed to the complexity of things they want to be exposed to? Does that make sense? It does make sense, and I think it's uh, a terrific question. 
for which there is no perfect answer at this point. But um, Gunnison is a, uh, a, a good um, model to sort of at least explore and answer the question. So our main clinic is still in Lacrosse. We've now grown to 700 physicians or uh, providers um, and 7,000 employees and 28 locations within 19 counties. So it is a network, and it's a fully integrated network, and it is physician-run. We, just as you said, we have acquired a number of smaller hospitals, critical access hospitals in our area. There are about 15 total critical access hospitals in our 19 counties, and we own now four of them. And we have um, regional rural surgeons who practice at four different locations outside of La Crosse but still within our system. Now, those people are practicing really rural general surgery. I have never practiced rural general surgery because La Crosse is a much more sophisticated, large hospital with lots of specialists. Um, but those people, and we have uh, nine of them in our system right now, um, they are extremely important um, contributors to our statewide trauma system because they are the front line in these small towns who have um, level three and level four trauma centers. And they're often involved in the initial um, stabilization um, and management of, uh, of trauma patients. We've actually done a couple of studies looking at what they do for trauma in their small rural hospitals. So again, I think somebody going to a place like that, um, yeah, they, they have to be realistic um, in terms of what can be done there. And being part of a large system, at least uh, our opinion is, is that um, if the system is supportive of what they do out there, they can actually do more. Um, and uh, that's been our experience. We, we just published a paper in the journal, American College of Surgeons, about our system looking at a 38-year experience of setting up a rural general surgery uh, program. And, um, you know, one of the interesting things is that we have a, a very high retention for these people. So they must be um, fairly um, satisfied with their careers. But I think a big part of that is going into it with a realistic expectation. Right. That's great. Yeah, it's uh, we're similar to the Cogbill over in Guthrie. We have several critical access hospitals, and we depend. They're crucial, those uh, general surgeons that are doing the true general surgery. You're absolutely right. Um, gosh, I guess one more question to ask you. Um, so most of our listeners are going to be people who either are considering a career in trauma or have already decided to pursue it and maybe a fellow somewhere. Medical schools, residencies, fellowships, they're all often in an academic setting. So when a person is considering a career, they may not have an experience outside of the academic arena. And I was kind of one of those people. I came from a very academic, academic center down in Tennessee, and I was really struggling with where I wanted to practice. I really I loved academics, loved everything about it, but I ultimately chose a more rural practice because it was the best thing for my family. And I'm incredibly happy with my choice. I love it. I'm planning to stay here my whole career. I would, I love it here. But I'm sure I'm not the only person who's had that struggle. So is there some kind of advice you can offer to a fellow or a recently graduated resident who may be having that same struggle regarding should I stay in academics or 
can I go to a rural center and have a good career? Um, so I think the answer to that is twofold. One is um, what should academic centers offer their residents? And that's maybe a little bit different than the um, question you've asked, but I'd like to sort of address that second. The first thing is what should those residents do? And, and my advice is follow your heart. Um, you know, if, if, uh, if where you want to live um, and uh, where your family uh, would be best uh, suited to live is not in an academic center, you can still have a very academic life. It's up to you. Um, it, it may be different than um, being uh, in a big academic center and trying to be a trauma surgeon there. But here's some of the things that, are, um, that I think are wonderful about uh, going to a place that uh, is different from the place that uh, you may have trained. So where you trained, um, they already have um, a lot of um, protocols for how to manage all kinds of different uh, things in trauma, critical care, and acute care surgery. Um, a lot of the places that are in more um, rural or smaller cities uh, don't have that. And so you have the ability to actually, from the ground up, build something, and something that uh, will help the institution and will help you with your practice and something you can be proud of. Um, as far as the, the trauma and uh, critical care piece, um, you're still going to be managing trauma patients. Um, there may be a different uh, group by mechanism of injury, but uh, that's, that's fascinating. I have never taken care of a power takeoff injury or a corn harvesting injury or a tractor <laughs> rollover or a um, uh, bovine goring. Um, and so uh, you end up learning a whole new bunch of, uh, you know, mechanisms of injury and, and how to manage those. Um, and as I mentioned, find a niche in general surgical cases where you can be busy. And that uh, usually is going to be in the acute care realm nowadays where you're just going to do emergency uh, general surgery. And then uh, you'll develop um, patients that want to come back for their elective general surgery, and, and you'll be busy. And so I think that's, that all works. And finally, there are things you can always get involved in regionally and nationally. Um, research, as we mentioned before, uh, prevention programs um, where you are um, trying to uh, stop injuries before they happen. Um, and you can become politically active. Um, and a number of examples of that in my practice were um, trying to get more safety on uh, ATVs, for instance, in rural Wisconsin. Um, and that's something as a trauma surgeon you, you really can get involved in. So this is a multifaceted um, career. And uh, each one of those facets may appeal to one person uh, more than another. And then finally, getting back to the second part of your question, or I made it the second part of your question. I, I didn't mean to, but um, <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when uh, I, think it, I think it's incumbent upon departments, um, academic departments, to uh, maybe broaden out the experience that their residents get so they get contact um, with um, folks who are in uh, uh, high volume, perhaps, uh, medical centers that aren't um, at the university hospital but uh, might be in the same community. Um, there are some absolutely wonderfully talented people out there, and if residents are exposed to them, they can 
um, look at themselves and say, you know, I'd like to be like uh, him or her. And um, then it's much easier for them to take that step of saying, I'm going to take a, a career that's in a slightly different direction. That's a great answer. That's really helpful. Um, gosh, that, that's kind of all my questions at the Cogdo. Is there anything else you wanted to add or something we didn't cover that you think could be helpful to someone who might be considering a, a career in a rural trauma center? No, I think the only uh, – my, my parting thought um, would always be um, sort of when you're asking a guy at the end of a 37-year career or 42 40, uh, years if you include residency, um, you know, would you do it again? And I would answer in a nanosecond that I would do it exactly the same way. I have, I have not one regret. I've gotten to do everything I've wanted to do in surgery, teaching, administration, um, research, most important, uh, really wonderful clinical practice with great partners and actually just fantastic patients, most of whom just wanted to get better. Um, and uh, so I know that there's a, a lot of people who wonder, you know, what's the future going to be like? And um, all I can say is I think um, it's bright because um, new newer graduates have um, more they can do uh, and uh, less invasively, uh, better diagnostics, um, and uh, just wonderful opportunities. Well, that is an awesome closure. That's perfect. <laughs> well, on behalf of the East Career Development Committee, I would really like to thank you, Dr. Cogbill, for taking your time to speak with us today, and I think a really important topic. Again, my name is Rob Bame. Yes, sir? I was just going to thank you, Rob, uh, very much uh, for asking me to do it. Um, as I said, it's an honor uh, for me, and uh, I was one of the uh, original members of the East, not a founding member, but a great organization. I'm glad to contribute. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. And I hope everyone out there enjoyed this program and found it helpful. And if anyone, if you find a moment, I would really encourage anyone to visit the East website at www.east.org for more East podcasts and other valuable information. So thank you very much.